everybody. Good morning. I'm Matt, and uh, I'm one of the Sunday service team directors here at Church in the Valley. It's good to see you. I'm going to be picking up our message series, Relationships at the Box Office, this week and next week. Excited to be able to speak this morning. Um, What we've been doing is we've been looking at some of the movies that are coming out this summer that we think are going to be popular, and we're, we're pulling out of the movie what it has to say about how relationships work. And we're comparing that to uh, what God's Word has to say. And uh, last week we looked at a film called X-Men Apocalypse, an uh, entertaining movie, and uh, there's a theme in the film, which is the destruction of pride. And we looked at how pride can destroy our relationships and how um, humility and forgiveness can repair the damage. This week we're looking at a movie that came out, I don't know, this week or last week, called Now You See Me Part 2. It's a, it's a movie about magicians. They use their skills at hiding and and deception to, uh, to bring, you know, corrupt businessmen to justice. Their, their names are the Four Horsemen, and they have global fame. Um, it was a good movie. I saw it with my wife. It was pretty entertaining. It's the second uh, movie in a two-part series. Here's the trailer. I've been told I have some control issues. So I'm going to try to control something that's a lot easier than people. Stop. magicians and thieves and we need your skills this is the key to every computer system on the planet we want you to steal it yes you were lured into a trap and on the way out is through we're still gonna play a little game i know you will we're going to destroy him thanks for having us Let's go, let's go. Crazy! I hope you guys were paying attention. Ta-da! Beware of the horsemen. Want to know what all this has been leading to? The greatest magic trick ever created. Yeah. It was good. It was really entertaining. I I enjoyed the film. Uh, In the movie, like I said, there's this team of magicians, and they use their skills at hiding and lying professionally. And uh, it leads to some, some success. Uh, in the first and the second movie, they actually um, are, are making somewhat of a statement about the nature of lying and hiding. It's a double-edged sword. So if you're a magician and you have the skill sets to kind of fool the audience, then it leads you to fortune and fame. But these actors in, this, in the movie, the, the, the characters in the movie, they also use lying and hiding in their personal relationships, and it results in destruction and pain. And so you see this playing out in the first and the second film, and that's actually a very accurate message. We all know the pain of uh, lying and hiding and deception in our lives. We've done it. Other people have done it to us. And, uh, and so as Christians, people who have been brought from the darkness into the light, people who have been reborn, people who have been saved by the Lord to live a new kind of life, we, we have to be really careful that we don't fall back into these old patterns, these old habits of lying and hiding, because it can destroy. Um, it can destroy our relationships. Now, uh, as I mentioned, these magicians, they're very good. They're very good at uh, their trade. And there are three fundamental skills that all magicians possess. The first is sleight of hand. This is the ability to move objects around really, really fast so that the audience can't see what you're doing. You think that this guy here is bending the spoon with his mind, but actually he's just switching the spoon with another spoon. He's really fast at it. And if you don't pay attention, you're going to miss it. Um, Another skill that you have to have if you're going to be a great magician is uh, misdirection. Misdirection is all about getting the attention of the audience out here and controlling their information, and controlling their perception, and controlling what they see while the trick is taking place over here. 
It's about controlling the information because if you control the information that people are receiving, you can control the reaction that they have. And the last one is um, smoke and mirrors. Uh, it's just good old-fashioned theatricality. It's about obscuring the vision of the audience. And so if you go to uh, a magic show in Las Vegas, it's probably going to take place in the dark. And so if you're a magician, you get really good at these three things, and you use these three skills in various combinations, and you use it professionally to entertain, and that leads you to fortune and fame. But if you use it in your relationships, as these characters do in the movie, it brings you destruction and pain. And we as a human race, we use lying and hiding all the time. These are old strategies that we can import into our new life as Christians. And you see the destruction that lying and hiding unleashes in our lives. You can, it's, just look around in history. You can see it going all the way back to the beginning. This is a picture of Adam and Eve. This is the first man and the first woman. They believed a lie and then immediately started a long history of hiding from each other and from God. Because of what happened in the first generation, because of the, the lying and the hiding early in our, in our people's history, in the history of the human race, sin, pain, death is something that all human beings are afflicted by. The consequences and destruction of deception. You see it in the life of the first um, real man of faith, Abraham. We call him the, the father of our faith. This guy, he believed God. He went out into the, into the unknown with God. But he also had a lot of habits of lying and hiding. And so this is an image of him and his wife. Apparently Sarah was very beautiful. And he had to go down to Egypt because there was an economic depression in the area that he lived. And uh, when he went down to Egypt, apparently Pharaoh had a reputation for collecting wives of other men and murdering their husbands. So Abraham had this great plan. You tell everybody, Sarah, that you're my sister, and then he won't kill me. He'll pay me for you. Sound good, ladies? It's Father's Day, right? Not exactly a, a, a popular uh, thing in marriage. It's not a way to build up your marriage. But Abraham, he did it. Sarah joined him in his lying and hiding. They went to Egypt, and Pharaoh did take her into his house, and he paid Abraham a bunch of money and a bunch of slaves. And right before Pharaoh made a mistake that he was going to regret, God stepped in and he exposed it all. Now, when Abraham and Sarah went back home to their hometown, they didn't just come back with money. They also came back with slaves, and one of those slaves was a girl named Hagar. She had a son. His name was Ishmael. And Ishmael and all of his descendants lived to war against Abraham's son, and all of his descendants. There were people, there were Israelites, a thousand years later that were still suffering and dying at the hands of Hagar's descendants. And all of that pain traces back to that decision back in Egypt to lie and to hide. This is the destruction, the ripple effect of deception in our lives. It's not just ancient history. You also see it in modern times. This is Richard Nixon. This guy won 49 out of 50 states in his re-election in 1972. That's a big win. He's very popular when he got re-elected. And two years later, he had to leave office because, well, his men broke into the Democrat Party's headquarters. He knew about it. He lied about it. And he covered it up. And it destroyed his presidency. And it didn't just destroy his presidency. What it did was undermine the credibility and the trustworthiness of our federal government. There are people today who still... They don't trust government. Sorry, I've got to fix this earpiece. I'm always having issues. Apparently my ears are misshapen, and they don't quite fit the mic. So this guy, Richard Nixon, uh, as you all know, it doesn't end well for him, and it has all sorts of negative consequences. You see it in business. Um, Enron. Some of you are familiar with Enron. That's a large corporation. 
that in the early 2000s, everybody thought this is a great investment. But in reality, it was just economic and financial smoke and mirrors, misdirection and sleight of hand. It was a house of cards. And as people invested their livelihoods into it, as people put money into that organization, their financial futures got wiped out. You see it in sports. Men like Tiger Woods, Barry Bonds, we see these people as heroes, examples, but they're actually living a double life or they're using performance-enhancing drugs. There's really no part of human existence where you can look and not see the wreckage of lying and hiding. And you also see it in our own personal lives. I mean, which of us are going to be able to stand in front of God and say, oh yeah, me? I don't lie. I don't hide. Everything I say and do is open and honest and truthful. All of us struggle. All of us are tempted to use these strategies of lying and hiding to get what we want, to protect ourselves. That's what the human race is like. And it destroys It destroys the thing we love most, our relationships. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like us to look at why that is. Because as Christians, again, we have been saved. We have been brought from a life of darkness into a life of light. God wants to transform us. He wants to live with us. He wants us to live with him in the light. And if we're not careful, we can get pulled back into the old habits and the old patterns that we had before we were saved. We can fall back into lying and hiding. So why is it that even though we see all this destruction and I teach my kids and you teach your kids and somebody taught you, you should tell the truth, you shouldn't lie. I feel like this is going to fall off my head. You know what? I'm just going to grab the mic. Sound good? Sorry, guys. I'm I'm calling an audible. I'm just not going to play with this the whole time. Uh, why Why is it that we lie and hide? Jesus Christ answers that question. He tells us the reasons why it's so tempting to get into lying and hiding. Sorry, I don't quite know what to do with this mic. I'm just going to throw it like this. Okay, everybody good? All right, I'm good. Um, Why do we lie and hide? Uh, I remember reading this passage in 2001. I had just become a Christian. The Lord had saved me out of a life of a lot of deception. And I read it and I thought, this is exactly why I lie and hide. There are three reasons that we lie and hide. The first is we lie and hide because we love darkness. There's sin in our lives that we still love. The second reason is we're afraid. We're afraid of the consequences if we expose or get real or honest about what we're doing and who we are. And the third is it's about control. It's about controlling the information. Listen to what Jesus has to say. He says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness. They loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light. And they will not come into the light. They're not, they're not going to come out. They're not going to tell the truth. Why? For fear. For fear that their deeds will be exposed. There are three reasons. We love the darkness. We're afraid of what happens if people know the true us. And so we control the information with lying and hiding. Just like the magicians. And now you see me too. Now, I'd like to look at each one of those because it's important we understand, particularly since we have been saved, since we have been reborn. If you're a Christian, if you've given your life to God, he has made you a new creation, a new thing, and he is transforming you more and more and more into a a person of greater, greater holiness, greater goodness, greater righteousness. He's doing that throughout your life. And there are things that can pull you back, that can hold you back, that can choke your growth. And so it's important to understand these three motivations. So the first one is we love darkness rather than light. What does that mean? If you read the New Testament, 
If you read uh, the, the second half of the Bible, the, the apostles, the handpicked leaders that Jesus chose to lead the church, they're writing letters to churches like ours, like Church in the Valley, all across the Mediterranean. And there's a reoccurring theme in all of their letters. It's one of the themes. They're writing to these new Christians who have, who have just been born again, and they're saying, look, you used to live in darkness, but now you live in light. And that means that you used to practice lying and hiding as like techniques to, you know, take care of yourself. But now you can live an open and honest life. You used to live enslaved by sin, but now you're free to live a holy, righteous and good life. And then they give these lists of sins that used to enslave us. And these are the kinds of things that Jesus is talking about when he says we love darkness instead of light. And I'd like to look at one of those lists. This is from Colossians 3. Paul is writing to a church like ours in Colossae. And it says, you must put to death. The you there is you Christians. You Christians must put to death the earthly desires that are at work in you. There are all sorts of old patterns, old software that's running on your new device. And you've got to delete those things. You have to get rid of those things. They've been imported into your new life as a Christian. You need to put those to death. What are those things? He says, such as sexual immorality, indecency, lust. These Christians, and many of us, come from backgrounds of sexual addiction. Whether it's pornography, promiscuity, adultery, homosexuality, any kind of sexual gratification that takes place outside of the place that God made uh, for sex, which is a covenanted, lifelong relationship between a man and a woman. Anything else will burn your life down. And so Paul is saying, you know, you used to be characterized by these things. This used to bind you up. But now, put those things off. Give up the darkness you used to love. He goes on to say, indecency, lust, evil passions. This is addiction. And many of us have backgrounds of addiction, whether it's drugs and alcohol. It can be food. It can be all sorts of things. I do. I have backgrounds of addiction. Again, he's saying this is what you used to have in your life. These are the sins you used to love. This is the darkness you used to protect. But that's all done now. He says, for, uh, and greed. For greed is a form of idolatry. Many of us have backgrounds of greed where we have to have more stuff, the newer phone, the nicer haircut, the bigger house. We've got to keep getting more and more and more because... We have this insatiable, insatiable desire, and unless we keep getting more, we never, we never feel satisfied. That's, that's who we were. It's an idolatry. It's a form of worshiping stuff rather than worshiping the person who made the stuff. Now he goes on to say, at one time, you yourselves, you Christians, you used to live that way when your life was dominated by them. These things, they're not just things we dabble with. These are things that rule us. They ruled me. They defined my identity. You used to be dominated by them, but now, but now you must rid yourself of all of these things. And here's another list. These are relational sins that can characterize us. These are things we can import from our past into our Christian life in terms of relationships. He says, anger, passion, and hateful feelings. No more insults or obscene, obscene talk must ever come from your lips. Some of us have backgrounds of incredible anger, bitterness, We've been hurt and we hurt others. We're into gossip and to slander. People cross us, they're done. We cut them off. We just have these relational hurts and, and we've become these people who are so angry. And it's easy to think that that's still who we are when we become Christians, but we're not. 
And Paul is saying we have to put off these old sins. And this is the darkness that we love instead of the light. When Jesus says men love darkness instead of light, this is what he's talking about. So Paul goes on to say, don't lie to one another. Stop acting like this is not true. Stop acting like when you become a Christian and you're reborn, you're not bringing into that life some old habits of thought, some old habits of life. Stop lying to one another. You don't have to pretend anymore because you are putting off the old self with its habits and you are putting on the new self, this new you. Again, if you're a Christian, if you've given your life to Christ, if you have been reborn, then here's what God is doing. He says, this is the new being which God, its creator, is constantly renewing in his own image in order to bring you to a full knowledge of himself. What God is doing is he is constantly updating you over the course of your life. Just like a, an app, a really great app. Every time you turn on your phone, it's being updated and it's better than it was before. And God is doing that with you. He is transforming you through the power of his Holy Spirit as you walk with the body of Christ. He's making you more holy, more righteous, and more good over the course of your life. That's what God is doing. And so these old things, these old sins, we let them go. But the temptation is to lie and to hide. Because when we join the body of Christ and we look at other people, we start thinking, well, they don't have my problems. They won't accept who I am. They, they won't understand. And so then we, we back away in the darkness. And that keeps us stuck. And this is the darkness that we love instead of the light. Jesus goes on to say, we also lie because we're afraid. We're afraid. It says, and they will not come into the light for fear their deeds will be exposed. I mean, if I told you the truth about who I am and what I'm into, well, I could, I could end up on the couch. You know, I could lose my marriage. I could get fired. I could lose my reputation. Or, or maybe if you knew the truth about me, maybe, you know, you wouldn't like me anymore. There's all sorts of scenarios we run about why we can't get real with one another and with God. And all of those ideas are fears. We're, we're trying to avoid pain. And that's why we do the third thing. This is the third reason why we, we lie and hide. It's control. We control the information people are getting about us. If we control the information they get about me, then I can avoid the pain I fear and I can protect the sin I love. Loving darkness fearing consequences, and control. This is why it's so tempting to lie and hide, even after, even after you've been born again. But we don't have to do that. As Christians, we don't have to lie and hide anymore. And the reason why is because we have a good, loving Father who's going to take really good care of us. Consider what God has done for us. Rather than pouring out all of his judgment, and all of the punishment that we deserve for our life of sin, he poured that out on his son, Jesus. And he has given us the good life that Jesus deserves. He's reached out and he's brought us, his runaway children, back into his family. That's called reconciliation. He's taking our broken lives and he's healing them. That's called um, redemption. And not only that, but if you're, if you're a Christian, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and you've experienced the joy and the power and the help of God, you don't want to go back to a life of darkness, and you don't have to be afraid of the future. Christians look at the future with hope. We don't fear judgment in the future. We have hope for the future because there is no bad thing that can happen to us that can cut us off from the constant goodness and help that God wants to do in our lives. Nothing can cut us off from that. Oftentimes we're afraid to be real because we think, if I'm real, this bad thing will happen. Well, the honest truth is sometimes... In order to reset a bone, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt at first, but then the healing can begin. And there's no job I can lose from being honest. There's no relationship I can lose from being honest. 
There's nothing that I can lose from being honest that can cut me off from the goodness and the help and the blessing that God is going to pour into my life. That's why I don't have to lie and hide anymore. And I don't have to control because he's in control. This is why Jesus says, hey, guys, stop worrying about what you're going to eat and drink and wear. Look at the birds. They fly around. When they're hungry, they look for food, and I give it to them. They're not saving up food because I'm in control, and I love them, and I take care of them. How much more valuable are you to me than birds? I'm going to take good care of you. You're my children. You don't have to control and lie and hide anymore. This is the truth that sets us free to lay down those old strategies. But if we don't do that, if when we become Christians, we just, we're not going to, we're not going to let it go. We're just, we, we can't, we can't stop lying and hiding. We, we don't want to be open and honest for whatever reason. There are, there are greater consequences. And there are three. If you read the, the, the New Testament, you realize, and if you've walked with God for a while, and you realize that there's something you're hiding and you don't want to let, uh, let go of, three things happen. Number one is it, it cuts off. It breaks your fellowship with Jesus Christ. Number two is it breaks your fellowship with the body of Christ, with your brothers and sisters, with people here at Church in the Valley. And number three is it keeps you stuck, broken, and enslaved to the very things that God wanted to save you out of. Listen to what uh, John, one of Jesus' apostles, said to a, a community of Christians like us about this topic. This is uh, 1 John 1, 3-9. He says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you. God is light. In him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. If we say, oh, yeah, I'm good with Jesus. I I have a relationship with God. Me and God are, are really, really good. But we are practicing lying and hiding. We're hiding ourselves from the body of Christ or we're lying to God or hiding something from him. If that's how we're actually walking, then what's going on is because God is light and he walks in the light, we're peeling off and going over here. We're leaving him and going to stand in the darkness. And that begins to choke the resources that God has for us when we're born again. It begins to choke the relationship that we have with him. I don't mean you're not going to go to heaven or you're not saved. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Jesus is here And we're walking over here. We're leaving and we're going to go do our own thing. And that begins to choke us and wither us. That's what breaking fellowship means. And I've experienced this personally. Uh, I'm a teacher. And one of my greatest fears is to wake up late. I have nightmares about like waking up an hour late. I used to have nightmares about sharks attacking me and like horrible serial killers from the horrible movies I watched when I was a kid. But I don't have those nightmares anymore. Now I have nightmares about waking up late to work. I've been teaching for 12 years, and it happened. I woke up late, five minutes before my first class started, and I was like, ah, you know, and I called my boss's secretary and said, hey, I'm going to be late so she could get coverage, and right before I got off the phone, I said, because I had car trouble. Oh, no, (laughs) come back. (laughs) And I lied because I was afraid and ashamed, and you know, you know I lied. So I, I'm driving to work, and God is saying to me, you need to go make that right. You need to go tell the truth. And I'm like, I'm not, I can't. No, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that. And I'm, if I do that, this will happen, and this will happen. I'm, I'm almost pushing God's voice away from me. He's over here, and I'm going over here. And that's how I'm responding. He is in the light, and I'm walking off into the darkness. So I get to work, and it's my habit to spend some time with the Lord in the morning, reading my Bible, praying to the day, talking to him. 
And I'm sitting down, I open my Bible, and I'm thinking it's just going to be all good between me and him while I have this lie going on. And he's just, we're not doing this. You, you need to go tell the truth. You need to go make this right. So for two days, I just, I just refuse. I'm just stubborn. I'm, just, I'm not going to do it. Nobody knows. Nobody, nobody's going to ever find out. Just, you know, if, maybe if I ignore it long enough, God will just kind of let it go, and I can get back to, like, my life. And it occurred to me that this was a key moment in my life. If I lied, maybe I could sweep it under the rug, but I was going to pack dynamite into my character, and it would blow up in my marriage later, or it would blow up in my ministry later, or it would show up in the lives of my sons. And I don't want that. And I was, I, was, I was feeling the weight of it. And so after two days, I went to my boss and the secretary, and I told him the truth, and it was super embarrassing. But I, I confessed, and I moved on. And uh, that's what happens when we refuse to walk in the light is it starts to choke us. And uh, we don't want to do that. We've been safe from that. It also chokes our relationship with the, with the church, this, this body of Christ here. You see, God, he's put us in the body of Christ. And, and here's what he says. He says, uh, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. Our fellowship with each other, the degree to which our lives are integrated here at Church in the Valley, is evidence that we as Christians are letting go of the old strategies of lying and hiding. We're not afraid to get close to one another because we don't have to hide ourselves because of all those things that I mentioned before. And we're a community of love and acceptance. And so we don't fear being real. Our fellowship is evidence that we've given up lying and hiding. And our lack of fellowship the distance that we keep from the body, it reveals to us that we're hiding and lying still. And the problem is, the third thing I mentioned, when we lie and hide, it keeps us broken and enslaved. You see, the way it works is, the things that have enslaved me, the, the ways that I'm hurting and broken from my past, areas in my life that are weak, that God wants to strengthen, that happens in the context of this community of faith. It happens as lies replace the truth. I was talking to a pastor who's been, you know, pastoring for over 30 years, and he was explaining that in every case where he has seen a Christian really make progress, I mean, really break the chains that have held them back, maybe held their parents and their grandparents back, every time he's seen a Christian really grow, really get strong, really just transform, it's always been preceded by them replacing a lie that they believe with the truth. It may be a lie about who God is. It may be a lie about who I am. It could be a lie about the church. But there's something I believe that's not true, and it is holding me down. It's keeping me broken. It's keeping me enslaved. It's keeping me weak. And when I replace that lie with the truth, it sets me free. But here's the thing. That always happens in the context of the church. That always happens in the family of God. That always happens through the brothers and sisters. It's not me all by myself over here in my garage with my Bible, just figuring it out and improving myself. That's not the way the Father runs the family. He wants us to grow together. So when I break my fellowship with the church, I'm also keeping myself stuck, broken, and enslaved. And as I love and serve and become more and more open and honest in appropriate ways, as I plug into Church in the Valley, I have seen God change and help me grow. And it's always been through you. It's always been a part of that. 
It's not that God can't do it. It's that he likes it when his kids work together to help and love and serve each other. That's what it means to be a Christian in the family of God. So when I continue to practice hiding and lying, when I don't let people see who I am because I'm afraid they won't accept me, I stay stuck. I stay stuck. And remember what God saved us for. He saved us to live in the light. And so here's the good news. We don't have to lie and hide anymore. We can give up those old strategies. It doesn't make sense for Christians to lie and hide anymore. And here's why. Number one, we have a good and merciful and loving father. God loves us. There is no sin that we can confess to him that he will not forgive us for. The punishment that we often fear, that's already been poured out on Jesus. That was taken by a certain man at a certain time in a certain place, and it is done. When I come before God and say, Father, I have this, I'm lying still. He doesn't say, gosh, what's wrong with you? He gives me love. He gives me grace. He gives me mercy to help me in my time of need. As I've been honest and open with my brothers and sisters about who I am and what I struggle with, they haven't judged me or condemned me. They've loved me. That's the second reason why we don't have to lie and hide, because we're a part of a church of love and acceptance. I have spent my entire Christian life a part of this community, and there are great churches all over the world. We're a community of the redeemed. We're a community of people in transition, people who are being transformed. All of us are sinners saved by grace. And here in the church, people don't use it against you. They love you. They pray for you. They encourage you. You minister to them. They minister to you. Because that's our family, because that's who we're a part of now, we don't have to be afraid. In our old life in the world, people would use it against us. They would condemn us. They would hold it over our heads because that's what you do in a dog-eat-dog world. But that's the old life. And for those of us who have given our lives to Jesus Christ, that darkness is done. We live in the light together. And together, as we open up more and more of our lives, we experience support, encouragement, help, and transformation. That's why we don't have to lie and hide anymore. And finally, we don't have to lie and hide anymore because we were, we were remade. We have been born again to walk in the light. Remember the big story of the human race. God created the human race to know him and love him and walk and work with him and all of his family forever and ever on a good earth. That was what God wanted. Billions and billions of his children who love and cooperate together as they love and walk with their father on a good earth, doing amazing things, culture and art and science. That was what God wanted. And we blew it all apart. We lost it all. But God did not leave the human race dead, lost in darkness. God, in his love, sent a rescuer into this world, his son, Jesus Christ. He came into this world to save us from this broken darkness. And what Jesus is doing is he is recreating the human race, a new human race, a new humanity. He's remaking the human race, and that is the church. And he is preparing a new world for us. And he is going to make all things new when he returns again. A new earth, new bodies, new life. And we are going to live with him forever and ever and with one another. That's the big picture. And because that's true, because we have been saved for the new life, when Jesus returns, that's out here. And where I live, it's somewhere over here. And between now and that day, 
What God is doing is he is cleansing us. He's purifying. He's transforming. He's making us more holy, more righteous, and more good so that we can live in the light with him. He's in the light, and he's bringing us in the light with him so that we can live with him and with one another forever. That's what we were made for. So why would we ever go back? Why would Christians ever go back to the old life of sin, lying, and hiding? It only brings destruction and pain. It doesn't make sense. So what what should we do in response? How should we respond in faith to the truth that we learned today? I have three things that I'd recommend to you. If you take out your connection card, and uh, as the connection cards are coming out, if the band wants to come back up, here are three ways you can respond to this truth. Number one is you may need to admit to God that you've been hiding from him or maybe from others. And if you're not sure, God isn't playing games. Just ask him, Lord, if, I'm, if there's something in me that I'm hiding or that I'm holding back or there's, there's some sort of darkness that I love or some sort of fear that I have, would you please show me? And he will. He'll show you. If you really want to know, he'll show you. Number two is, is if you're not a Christian, but you've been around this community for a while or around other Christians, and you, you understand who you are. You understand who Jesus Christ is, and you see now why You need a relationship with God. Why you need to be born again? You want to step into the light. You want to join the new humanity, the church. You want that. You're ready to do that. We would love to help you take your first steps in the light. So please let us know on the connection card. Finally, this week, who can you share openly with? Who's someone this week that you can talk to? Maybe there's something in your background that you have just never been able to bring into the light. Or maybe it's something you're battling with right now. We're all battling with things. I'm battling with things. And as you get real with me and I get real with you, God strengthens both of us. Or maybe it's a burden that you're bearing, just something that's heavy on you. As you live an open and honest life, as you, as you get more and more real with the body of Christ, as you get more and more real with your Father in heaven, he will set you free from the, the things that used to enslave us. He will heal us from the things that used to break us. And he'll make us strong where we used to be weak. And that's the good news. That's the hope that we have. And so I hope um, this has been helpful to you. Let me pray for us, and then we'll continue it with our worship. Father, I thank you for this time. And just, I thank you for the light that you bring into our lives. I thank you for the freedom, just the unlocking of the chains, things that we have been um, controlled by in the past that you want to break and, and, and set us free from. I thank you for your son, Jesus, who is the key to all of it. And I ask that uh, you would help us to walk in the light as you are in the light. I pray that you give us faith to lay down lying and hiding. Help us understand. Change our minds so that we can see it doesn't make sense. Continue to use us as a church to, to encourage and help one another as we wait for the great day when Jesus Christ returns and makes all things new. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.